You're tuning in to Radio Movies, a special event podcast in collaboration between the Explosion Network, the Pop Culturist, and Dash Culture. Each week, we'll be discussing the films from the Kevin Smith film series, Viewerskew Universe, our memories with them, why we love them, and preparing ourselves for the upcoming Jay and Silent Bob reboot. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me from the Pop Culturist is Ryan Betson. Nooch. And from Dash Culture, Buddy Watson. Adventure. Excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> very good, very good. You're, si- you're sitting there so like, you know, I was like, wonder what he's going to say, but okay, we got you we, make we, me, you very make good. me rethink. I kind of thought I fucked up with the nooch. <laughs> you can't fuck up with the nooch. That's, the, <laughs> that's, a, that's some life advice there. Uh, today we're talking about Mole Rats, my personal favorite Vilsky film, but also the most critically panned one. Uh, for the sake of the, so- for the show, we'll be presuming that you have watched the movie and we will be talking with full spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, pause now, go watch it. It's a great movie. Come back. Uh, so when was everyone's first time that they watched Mole Rats? For me, it was the second... Uh, VLSQ movie I watched after Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and I think the only reason because I like looked them up or whatever and the reason I picked this one out of all of them was because of the poster cover or the DVD cover or whatever, what have you it looked the most fun you know it looked yeah. the most the, Chasing Amy looks like a, a bo- not fair to Chasing Amy I, I really like Chasing Amy and we'll get to that film obviously uh, eventually here but that film's cover boring no thank you Dogma bunch of that looks like a horror movie or something to me when I first looked at something. I wasn't sure what Dogma was supposed to be. I had no idea because it's like the angel wings and stuff. I'm like, no, no, thank you. Over there, don't want that. Clerks, black and white, went over that last week. So Mole Rats was where we we were headed for this. Um, Clerks 2 wasn't out at this time. Maybe I would have picked Clerks 2 because that front cover is actually quite exciting. It's like you got a bunch of people and they're like, yeah, we work at a store. But um, yeah, so the first time I watched Clerks was, as I said last week, when I started watching these, probably around 15, 16, whatever it was. Watch this absolutely fell in love with these characters and to this day i've i've always and this may happen one day and hopefully if i say here it'll happen eventually i've always wanted to do an explosion network like force myself to actually sit down and be like here is my top 10 movies or whatever it is because i often whenever people ask me i'm like oh this is in there somewhere which mole rats in my mind is top five movies for me but i've never actually sat down to do the list properly because i've never really had a reason to and the only the only way i'd ever do it properly is if i was making a video or an article or something like that so but mole rats to me is top five movies which when i say to people they're like you're crazy um i know a lot of people consider it one of the weaker ones in, uh, of the the series here and stuff. And as I said before, I know critically it's considered one of the weaker ones. But to me, I gravitated um, towards, and I want to talk about this a little bit more uh, so you get your guys' opinions on as well, but I gravitated towards it a lot because the characters just felt so real and they didn't feel like people I knew because they were like older than I was at the time I was watching it. But they kind of, I guess the easiest way to explain it is they felt like people I did know um, but older or something. They, they felt like people I could know when I was older. They felt like kind of people I could, wish I could be friends with at that age I was as a teenager and they could be my cool older friends or something like that, you know? So I just really, really love the characters. And obviously this film is the first film I ever, ever watched. And um, we talked about this last week's episode uh, as well, a bit about like pop culture references and these sorts of things. But this was the first film I watched where it was chock full of pop culture references. Um, and this is, I think, Kevin Smith's most full film of pop culture references and stuff and i'd never seen this before i thought it it was like it was like watching a new genre nearly you know like i had action movies horror movies family movies and stuff i'd seen all this stuff i'd never seen a movie so full of pop culture references we get it fucking everywhere these days um it's not as exciting to kids these days i guess that time it was super exciting for me uh buddy what are your when is the first time you watched it and what's your like overview feelings towards mole rats Uh, i totally agree about your um assessment there with the pop culture references i really feel that this is almost like the birth of pop culture references in movies and i say that with with kind of you know with not much reference before that with pop culture references you know there might have been a lot of fourth wall breaking or pop culture references thrown in movies before this but i really feel like this is the one and kevin smith in particular is the one that really popularized that and made that a bit more mainstream for me, my first experience with this movie is is quite interesting. I think it's probably, I get my first job 2002. I think that would be what, year 10? 
Year nine, I would have got my first job, 2001, starting getting disposable income. Easy DVD opens up maybe the next year at the mall. Oh, at the mall, Jesus Christ. Uh, at the shopping center. And I'm th- pretty sure Mall Rats is the first ever DVD I buy for myself. For an overpriced, like $30 <clears throat> or something? Probably, yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. It might have <laughs> been 20 bucks, And I have really no... I can't remember why I purchased it. I I think I was with someone at the time that was kind of spruiking Kevin Smith, and I was a bit not really you know, nonchalant about it at the time, um, telling me that More Rats was great. I think it was might have been John Gilmore who was uh, quite astute with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he he kind of pushed me that way. So I ended up getting that, and I used to buy DVDs every week, and that's kind of when I started really. So did I. That was a, that was a time. Yeah, I same. loved it. I loved going to the to Easy DVD on a, on a Thursday night and getting. I used to get like two or three each week and kind of just build my collection from there. And I was very um. And I always hide a lot of movies from uh, video rental places like Video Easy or Blockbuster or something like that. All through growing up um, with Nan and Pop and etc. But this was like finally my time, and and I was quite brash as well i would purchase a lot of stuff that i had really no idea about other than like reading the cover or or reading down in the bottom credits like oh shit or you know that splash something on the thing like from the career you know from the producer or which you know now i know means from two of the nothing. six two of the six guys <clears throat> who created scary movie yeah that's right you know from the director or the writer yeah. of th- those had more credence and uh, yeah. i was a little bit more naive then but um yeah more that was that movie for me and uh, i actually think you know i'm i sit with you dylan as well more Rats is my favorite Kevin Smith movie, period, I think. Um, it's a tough one. It kind of sits up there with the one that I rate second, which I think we're going to be talking about next week, which is Chasing Amy or, or the week after. But uh, I think I think More Rats takes it and just because of all that pop culture references. And I feel like the movie is so quotable. Rewatching mm. it the other day, it just feels like one of those movies that you do a watch along mm. with. Oh, I'd love to. I would love to do one of those cinema, you know, like fan. They put on a screening, fans all come <clears> along, and then people are just sitting there, like you know, quoting the lines and whatever else. That, that sort of fun screenings that they do. I would love to go to something like that for the, for this movie. That would be that would be an absolute dream. Um, yeah, Ryan, what are your what's your memories? What's your f- first time you've watched more words? Uh, see, Mallrats was one. Of, I said one of the later ones that I watched. It would have been probably in the late two thousands. Uh, I remember enjoying it at the time. Uh, I'm not on the same boat as you guys. It is not uh, my favorite Kevin Smith movie. It's top. It's probably top three, but it's not my number one. Um, Boo this man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, Mallrats is certainly good, but I think it's 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 a movie that has aged with me. Like, I enjoyed it at the time, but ne- as I watch it now, I enjoy it so much more. What What do you reckon it was about when you watched it in the first place that didn't connect with you then that you find better now then? I would say it's all the, it's, it's the pop culture references. Back then, I didn't read comic books. I didn't know all this shit. So a lot of it, you know, landed on deaf ears. It's impossible. Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes could handle his sperm? I guarantee he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back. What about her wound? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. I find it funny, the idea of someone being like, yeah, the pop culture references from 1990s, uh, the, the, I, I got them 20 years later, and now I understand the pop culture references. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, yeah, because I... Cause, uh, Growing up in country Victoria, like comic books weren't an option. They weren't a thing. They couldn't be purchased where I lived. So I knew of like Spider-Man and like the X-Men and whatnot, but not to the level that they mentioned here. So it did, they did kind of felt fall short in that way. But obviously like, you know, Jaws and all that sort of stuff was still certainly relevant. But yeah, as I've gotten older, enjoyed it thoroughly, thoroughly. Uh, I do think it's better than Clerks pretty much across the board. Uh, just in terms of how it's acted, like it, uh, there is understand that you know Clerks is the first film that he did, but it's very stilted. It's sometimes a little bit tough to watch because of the delivery, but with Mallrats, it's like it's tight. Like Jason Lee is dope in it. Like Jay has finally worked out the character of Jay. It's just awesome, and it's wacky and it's silly, and I really enjoy it. 
Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I'll get back to the wacky and silly a bit because I think it's actually his most wacky and silly film. But um, <laughs> what is what is everyone's favorite moment line or scene from this movie then? Mine is the never ending quoting line and scene of. That's criminal. That kid. That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Like, I will say randomly yep. at times yep. for no reason sometimes. It's just kind of. It, much like Snoochie Boochies, which is, and like people will be like, what's that mean? It's like, oh, it's just, it means it's cool, I guess. Like the, it has no meaning. Like I will say that kid is back on the escalator, but I say elevator because country differences, I guess I've, I've adapted it. Um, I, I'll yell that out sometimes randomly around people who have no idea what I'm talking about. They'll be like, what? Like I, I, I've been sitting in the mall with people, watch the kid get on one. And they're like, that kid is working. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, from Mulrats, what? Like, <laughs> I do it all like the that, time. So. All the time I do that. Yeah, you need to respect the escalator. That one comes out a lot. Have his pants get caught in a bloodbath and shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what has got in with you to you today? I've had it, it's actually really relatable because I remember as a kid, my mum told me that would happen. Yeah, she was like, fun. if you sit down on this, your leg could get caught and you could, you could get your leg broken. Or something you should say. Like, she'd tell us off for trying to sit down and stuff. So, I remember the first time I watched it, it always, always reminded me of that. But, yeah, that is... I mean, here's, here's the thing in this movie. I wasn't going to bother trying to list any more than my number one favourite. Because then I could be like, well, you know, let's tell them Steve Dave, which obviously is now a podcast. And, like, comic book men, um, they've got their own show now and everything like that. So, it's like, um, th- there's never ending list of most quotable lines uh, from this movie because, yeah, it is simply the most quotable, I think. So I'm just going to stick with my one. But what is your one, buddy? And you can't steal mine. Breakfast Smackfest. Look at the score, for Christ's sake. It's only the second period. I'm up 12 to 2. Breakfast come and go, Renee. Now Hartford, the whale. <laughs> the whale. Yeah, yeah, they, they only beat Vancouver, Vancouver once, once, maybe twice, twice in a lifetime. The thing that always got me about that scene the most is... The fact that he fucking couldn't find that controller. It's yeah. like, oh, but that was, up that's so real. <laughs> like mornings where you wake stuff. up and you're like, where the fuck's the controller? Yeah, maybe these days it's fucking wireless. I'm like, it's wired, dude. Come on, just look at where the cord's going. <laughs> he actually picks up a controller from the from the side table and then he reaches down to the bed to pick up another controller. Oh. I'm like, what? You're too How? Who's playing with the other controller? Why have you got two controllers there? What are you fucking farming trophies? Yeah, <laughs> maybe these days. Yeah, well, that's um, that was like the first. Considering that's like not the first scene in the movie, but like the the, the it's the second scene in the movie, I guess. It's like that was the first like pure line of Kevin Smith dialogue, I think, in the movie. Because all the all the stuff prior to this is like, you know. It doesn't scream Kevin Smith dialogue, like a boyfriend and a girlfriend being like, oh, blah, blah. Well, hold on. I'll put a pause in that because the fact that someone swam laps and then died, that is Kevin Smith dialogue. She's fucking I, dead? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's fucking dead. Which uh, also, side note on that, or actually, fuck it, I'll bring it up here. We'll come We'll come back to it because I want to talk about the um, interconnected universes. But it's like um, every time I watch this movie now, it just does my head in how they mention here it's like she, she's fucking dead and all this sort of stuff it's like that's the girl who's the funeral which is mentioned in fucking clerks and stuff it's like it's so i always yeah. wonder if people realized it back in the day but yeah it's like that is that is a good line it's very straight up kevin smith dialogue is that is is what that is like the whale and especially because it's hockey it's like hockey kevin smith yeah. Ke- kevin smith w- wishes he was born in canada is the is the, the secret <laughs> Uh, Ryan, what's your go-to for this one? Like the back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> like the back of a Volkswagen? I mean, I use that to fuck them someplace. Fairly uncomfortable. Well, like the back of a Volkswagen? No. I use that probably at least once every two weeks. And to this day, no one, like any, anytime someone mentions mild discomfort, I'm like, oh yeah, the back of a Volkswagen. Like what? Like, don't <laughs> worry about it. I saw, no joke, I was looking for... Oh, fuck, I can't remember who it was. Someone posted a picture on Twitter, right? Some uh, like cosplay or something. And I was looking through the comments. And of course, there's always those couple of people who post like inappropriate things. Like, I'd just love to fuck, you know, that sort yeah, of shit. Yeah. And someone literally wrote, like, I would love to fuck you <laughs> in uh, a place you would like or something something like, like, like that. <laughs> and <laughs> this was only today. And it was so funny because I'm like, we're recording this podcast today. Someone replied, like, 
what, like the back of a Volkswagen? I was like, dude, I fucking, yeah. I was like, I will pay that. That is good. Like, and you always wonder if the person even would have understood what that person was saying. It was like, oh, I don't know. But I was like, I will pay that. That is fucking great. But that is, that is yeah, that's classic. Where it's like, that line you can take to a lot of things. And you can say to a lot of people, they may not know what you're talking about or referencing unless they've actually watched the movie. So it works out quite well. Like, <laughs> you can I make inappropriate jokes, but no one will know what you're <laughs> I think this is one of my most quotable movies. This is the one I bring up the most, for sure. And maybe because of the situations, like with the escalator and, you know, you want to go out for breakfast. I'm like, you just left yourself open there, Kim. Sorry. Um, <laughs> all, all the other situations like that, so... Smackfest. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the other one yeah. that pops up, I, I use uh, I, I, sparingly, but it still makes me chuckle at least. Was at the I think it's at the end of the film where uh, they show the video with Trish the Dish. She's like, she told me she was thirty five or something like that. <laughs> she told me she was. Yeah, that's a that's a weird. Um, even we watching it, I'm like, it's, it's. I always wonder if the, this is one of those um, weird thing. I always wonder how people reacted to that like during the day because you wouldn't know because we didn't have the internet. I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that as that as a oh, joke. Like obviously, I, not that specific reference, but like as in the the throwaway, just the unnecessary age discrepancy is the thing. Oh, that, the, the, yeah, from like fucking sixteen to thirty five or something, <laughs> something somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, like that level of discrepancy is where I sort of use the use the reference, not in specifically banging underage girls, just for clarification. <laughs> yeah, P- P- poor Akon. You know, she was in the club. <laughs> she was in the club, man. What was she supposed to do? She's oh, in the club. Dear. <laughs> Talking about references. <laughs> um, oh, all right, so st- this is a big thing for this movie. This movie these days, and one thing I think it's an impossible to not watch this these days and think about the fact that Stanley's in it. Stanley's Stanley's not only mentioned in this movie, which would have would have been enough, you know. Like they have the whole thing where it comes up. It's like, who's at the comic book store? Who's at my comic book store? You tell him, Steve, Dave. Like, who the fuck is at my comic? And then like the, them even mentioning that Stanley's there signing comic books. Um, for the time would have been like, oh, that's an like on point reference. Like they're referencing real comic book, you know, like a superstar Stan Lee or whatever, you know. And I reckon a lot of people would have paid that. But the fact that they actually have Stan Lee in it is a a, a pretty fucking big deal because Stan uh, Kevin Smith invented the Stan Lee cameo, and they even reference it in the most uh, the Captain Marvel movie that came out. What the fuck? Uh, was that last year or this year? I don't even this know year. anymore. Oh, yeah, it was, was right at the start of this year. Yeah, yeah, it was right at the start. Yeah, um, the Captain Marvel movie that came out this year. They they reference that with Stanley. Spoilers, slight spoilers for Captain Marvel, of course. But um, they reference that by having Stanley reading his lines for Mallrats on uh, the train, bus, whatever the fuck they're on. Mm, I can't remember. Was. But yeah, like that. Um, so it makes the viewer's universe in the MCU. It's all canon. canon. Yeah, <laughs> it's and so I love good. that Stanley's cameo is a Stanley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's so good. That's like such a tie back. It's like the people these days, and that's a funny thing with Stan Lee because there's several aspects, several different ways to look at it, which I quite enjoy. So the first one is that the idea, everyone knows Stan Lee these days, you know, RIP, of course, but everyone knew Stan Lee. People who don't read comics know Stan Lee because of Stan Lee in the, um, the after credit scenes. Because if you were like, if you're in like a friendship group of like six people and you go along to these Marvel movies, you love the Marvel movies, there's always going to be at least that one guy out of that friendship group who, who was into comics and knew to stay for the after credits and they made you stay for the after credits and all of a sudden you got introduced to the fact that we're, we're, we're watching this thing and also you walk out the cinema and it's like, did you see the Stan Lee cameo? Did you see the Stan Lee cameo? Did you miss the Stan Lee cameo? Like everyone slowly... Not the first couple of movies, the Hulk and X Men or whatever, they weren't big. But the, in the last couple of years of Stan Lee's life, everyone fucking knew who Stan Lee was. That was it. every time I watched one of his the Marvel movies, Stan Lee ap- appeared. People would cheer or clap or be like, oh, like you would hear the audience like ought to be like, oh, there it is, there we go. So another thing that always interests me interests me about this is if they made this movie these days, 
the idea of Brody, the character, not recognizing Stan Lee to me is absolutely hilarious because you've yeah. got this guy who's a massive comic book uh, aficionado, like collecting them. He's like the the one part where they go to the other marketplace always makes me laugh because he's like looking for those comic books and he just like tells that lady, you should have these boarded, which is uh, which always makes me laugh because I when I was collecting comic books quite heavily, anytime I'd see other people's or I'd go to a comic book store and they didn't have uh, cardboard behind them, I'd be like... <laughs> fucking amateurs you know like yeah, yeah. like what are you doing you're ruining the books jesus christ and, and a but, throwback to clerks i'm pretty sure he goes you should have these borders you, you savage or whatever yeah. oh does he yeah you savage sure he that line again um yeah so the idea that this character who's such a massive comic book fan wouldn't know that's what stanley looks like when he's appearing right in his face it, it, these days or within if they made this movie over the last couple of years would have been absolutely nuts because anyone who's read comics even fucking 10 comics in their entire life would have known what stanley looks like that's why re-watching this movie made that scene uh quite funny but yeah um it's hard to not recognize the fact that kevin smith invented invented the stanley cameo kevin smith invented the pop culture reference uh movie genre or whatever type you want to call it and kevin smith also invented the stanley stanley cameo which everyone would just note as being marvel's thing and we're going to talk about something else that Everyone thinks Marvel invented in a <laughs> in a hot second as well, but it it kind of starts with the the Stan Lee thing. Uh, did you, any of you notice anything funny about the or anything noteworthy? I guess about the whole Stan Lee part in this, apart from the fact he looks so fucking young, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain because I'm trying. Yes, I'm, tr- I'm trying to go back like twelve years. I'm like, mm. <laughs> did I know who Stan Lee was twelve years ago? Well, would you have twelve years ago when you? Well, no, I don't. I don't think so. Not, not, I not in the. I, I knew his voice because I remember playing Spider Man on PS One. I'm like, that's the guy from Spider Man on PS One. Yep. <laughs> I was a dumb kid. That's where I. That's actually you say that as a joke, but I think that's actually where I recognized the first time I watched Mole Rats. I had no idea what Stan Lee looked like. Mm. I knew the name Stan Lee from that I got introduced to from the Spider-Man PS1 games and I knew the voice of Stan Lee from the PS1 game. So you say that, but I, I think that's where I got it from as well because he narrated that entire game. And that's the, that's the one where, well, no, that was Enter Electro. I think he did that one as well, but like you'd pop onto a character onto a roof or whatever and he'd just be like, and then Spider-Man meets up, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh man, that's a whole different thing, but it's like the idea that Stan Lee was doing that stuff back in the day yeah. and like he never touched any of those the last like 10 years worth of Marvel uh, games from Spider-Man to X-Men games to even the most recent Spider-Man. We well, had a cameo in it, but the, there was something real special about having those, those early, early ones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would have been my first, uh, Oh, that's what Stanley looks like moment as well. Um, yeah. I would have known the name from watching, you know, kind of amazing Spider-Man or, or X-Men or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, just, I guess seeing it in comics, but yeah. Yeah. We, well, you, you Everyone saw it if you watched anything, because exactly right. If you watched anything like X Men or whatever, it would at the end of every episode. He, I think he was a producer on all those as well, much like he was all the movies and stuff. But it would have also said based on characters created by Stanley. Yeah. Blah, blah blah blah. So his name was everywhere. Um, but yeah, most people, much like Brody, I guess in the in the movie, just didn't know what he looked like because he's he wasn't plastered everywhere. Um, and these days, it's kind of the same thing, I guess. Like comic book creators, unless you're really into uh like following their works and guess and you can find them on instagram twitter or whatever to follow them um comic book creators aren't like superstars still you know apart from a select few you have to hit like a level of fan stardom kind of like stanley did i guess to start being a superstar but even then like if you want to get deep into that like there are no there's no one on the same level as stanley you can list a bunch of awesome names like you know alex ross greg you know uh uh scott Scott, yeah, Scott Snyder, Snyder, yeah. you know, like uh, Bendis, like you know, he, like there are names you can pull out, and everyone's like, uh, and even then, you might you might get away with, um, oh, I've had a brain fart. The dude that wrote Sandman, uh, Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman. People are like, oh, that's like from the show on uh, Amazon. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. You know, what I mean, like there's there there is no one like Stanley. There will no, there will never be anyone else like Stanley. In terms of that breach between the comic book no. world and the other, the real world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny because DC or Marvel fan, he always represented just the face of comics. Yeah, he especially in the last couple of years, which I always found so funny. Um, you know, RIP, of course. Too. Of course, the Green Goblin showed up and he pumpkin bombed the hell out of the place. But aside from that, it it's pretty much the same thing. Oh my God. 
Holy shit! Aren't you? Oh, Stanley. Hi. Uh, so the other thing I want to talk about that uh, Kevin Smith invented before Marvel, and Marvel now everyone just says that Marvel invented, obviously. Um, he invented the interconnected uh, movie series, whatever, whatever, whatever word you want to use for that these days, um, franchise thing. Um, and he... Mallrats was a film that came out, and as I just said before, they have this whole scene at the start where they're talking about this funeral that they're going to and this sort of thing. That is the funeral that they go to in Clerks. Uh, Canon Mallrats actually takes place before Clerks um, to work that all out. And then they mention a couple other characters, and I th- I can't remember the character's name, but um, Willie. I think, Willy, Walt, I think you know, Walt Flanagan the- gets mentioned as... Person. Yeah, Walt Flanagan gets shouted out completely. It's like Walt Flanagan's dog. dog or whatever. Um, and then also, like, um, uh, what's his name? He's staring at the, the steamboat picture the entire time. He's actually playing a character from, I can't remember which one it is, but he's, like, same character that's in Clerks, but it's, like, played by a different actor or something like that. Like, there's heaps of names if you actually pay attention. There's um, a lot of crossover and stuff. And I, unless someone can find a really good another example, um, Kevin Smith with these movies created the first multi-film interconnected universe thing, whatever you want to call it, the viewer skew universe that we call it these days. I think the yep. most, like, <clears throat> yeah, or not indirect. Uh, well, because there is that theory that's all Tarantino's movies are, are together as well, but you kind of have to pull at strings to, to well, put that together. But with yeah. Kevin Smith, it's very much direct <clears throat> references. Yes. The thing with Tarantino's movies is that they have a couple really direct references. Like there's the Vega Brothers thing, which is... um. Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs and then um, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Um, They're direct connected. But then Tarantino has this weird thing where it's like there's a level one universe and then there's another universe, which is basically the the movies that the characters in these movies would watch. And they are connected somewhat where it's like, okay, so Kill Bill is a movie inside this other thing that these people would watch and so on and so forth. But it's not just as openly connected as the um, Vioscu movies are, which – and it's – you could be like, oh, but some of these really obscure things like this character and stuff. It's like, it's not. The most obvious connecting factor for all the movies is obviously Jane Silent Bob. That is the most obvious mm. thing. That's the the through line between all of them. And that's the one that everyone watching these movies will notice. Um, even if they're as dumb as a pair of rocks, you'll be like, oh, Jane Silent Bob, they're in this movie, in this movie, in this movie. But then once you look past that, you can be like, oh, this character's played by a different actor. Um, oh, this character is the exact same, played by the same actor. Um, oh, they're mentioning this event that they've mentioned in this other movie. Um, the fact that Mallrats ends with a teaser for Jane Silent Bob uh, Strike Back, at the uh, it, 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 which didn't happen for years later, obviously. Um, so it's hard not to like see these things and be like, oh, Kevin was kind of drawing this whole universe without calling it a um, universe at the time, I'm sure. And in his mind, he was just creating a, a series of movies. But the thing that makes them so special is the fact that Every single one of these movies, mm, well, yeah, okay. I was about to say without Jane Silent Bob, but as I said before, Jane Silent Bob was actually the first movie I watched, and I didn't get a lot of the references, yeah. but I still found it quite funny, I guess. So it, I was, I think they actually all just work on their own. That's the thing about these movies. Every single one stands apart on its own. Um, they all got their own sort of genre. They're all comedic um, in some parts, but I think every one of these Vioscu movies is comedy done in a sort of different way some are more serious than others of course but they all have this connected uh through line to them and everyone credits marvel as creating the the cinematic universe well you're fucking wrong <laughs> you're wrong of course uh yeah it's it, it's kind of crazy really and i i can't think of any other examples can apart from the tarantino thing the kevin smith thing does anyone actually know of any other good examples not really no People say that people say people say that the uh, ET and Star Wars are connected because the little ET. Figures, yeah, <laughs> that's an Easter egg. That's an Easter egg. They're in the a... Senate. I always think that's funny when people bring that up. But yeah, yeah nothing that I can kind of, <clears throat> especially not together. back then either. You know, I mean, like that far back. No, well, yeah, and the, the, the another thing is that it's not even easy to pull off well because fucking DC tried and failed. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest companies of telling long ongoing stories. Yeah, yeah. we'll just uh, forget that uh, and ignore the Universal Monsters reboot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck, that's actually... One movie in. Congratulations. You couldn't even yeah. beat DC. Well, the Power yeah, Rangers was supposed to be that too, wasn't it? But not like an intent universe, but like a big old franchise. 
I don't know. Well, I suppose King Kong's doing it at the moment. You got King Kong plus Godzilla. It's the most recent one that's actually happening. I'll give them that. It is happening. It's a thing. That's crossover. That's not a cinematic universe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll give it a pass there. And (laughs) the the other thing about the the movies crossing over here is, and and this continues throughout the rest of them as well, is the fact of getting actors bringing back his friends constantly just to play different roles um, throughout the whole movies. Of course, um, Brian O'Halloran playing the pseudo. Different Hicks, or, yeah. Jesus Christ, Gil. There's just yeah. some questions you don't ask. <laughs> and he's he's really good. I, like, I, I've got to be honest. I did not know that was actually him until many years after watching both Clerks and Rats. I never even noticed because I wasn't as astute. I don't know. I wasn't paying enough attention or whatever. But even just his delivery and... I mean, he's got a mullet on or whatever the fuck he has going on. His like, costume's all different, but I never noticed at all, which is quite his good. Beard's of course, shaved you get... off, that's why. Well, maybe that's it. Um, and then another thing for this movie, uh, actors, of course, is the Ben Affleck thing. I think if, if anyone knows anything about this movie and they know anything about Ben Affleck, I think it's hard not to think past this movie. Um, this is where Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck's relationship starts, I, I guess, which, um, and that's got like a whole interesting thing with it where um, at the time, Ben Affleck wasn't a big superstar at all. They had sold, I think the story is like around the time they had just sold the script for um, Goodwill Hunting or whatever it was around this point in time. And then he bumped into him on the Miramax lot or something like that. And was like, Hey man, like, Hey man, how you going? Yeah. And they kicked it off and come be in my movie. And every, every time I watch this, I don't actually think Ben Affleck's good in this movie. I actually think his acting's quite average to bad in this movie <laughs> he's not given a lot to yep. work with either but yeah he's fine he isn't but it's like it's just so early in his career i guess and he just i mean everyone looks young as well but i, I just think he's he's saying it, that the, though like jason lee this is i think first if not second thing outside of being a professional skateboarder and he's on point this whole movie yeah he really but i mean like how much of that character is just not him yeah <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah. <laughs> He's not just playing himself, I guess. I, I don't know. But yeah, the, the Ben Affleck thing always gets me because, you know, I guess people always think more about chasing Amy when it comes to Kevin Smith's like relationship with him. And then, of course, you have Jersey Girl and stuff like that. But they had such a close relationship. And that's like a known thing to the point mm-hmm. where uh, Kevin Smith like brought his old house or whatever it was where he lives now and, and these sorts of things. And then they like died off and didn't talk for years and years and years until they um, got back together to do... Uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot that's coming out this year. So, um, but every time I go back and watch this movie, I just, it's, it's kind of, it's like when you watch, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street or something. To me, I get, I get, I get, I wouldn't say get off because that's a bad way to put it, but I always get super interested when I can find actors that are now like mega stars, you know, like super, super Hollywood elite types. And I can go back and find them in like really obscure and random places. And every time I watch Nightmare on Elm Street and it's like Johnny Depp, are you kidding me? This is where like, mm. this is where we're going back to find Johnny Depp. And Kevin, Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. Yeah. Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. You find all these actors in weird places and they always like start in like either horror movie. Well, I know this isn't Ben Affleck's first thing but i consider it's like one of his first like notable things to me um as far as i'm concerned he had a couple of a bit parts before this really i think um there's one of those things like michael like michael rook is a big one as well like i didn't know who he was yeah. back then and now i'm like holy fuck that's yondu like obviously i before you know i knew who he was before that but like it, it's that weird line if you go back like if you it's great to see a lot of people that started in kevin's movies kind a handful of them sort of expand you know what i mean like the reason i watched my name is earl because i knew jason lee from morats from this you know what i mean yeah. and like and the fact that ethan sue please in there as well i'm like double tick and i guarantee they met on that set and then like later on when there was you know a casting thing for my name is Earl, like yeah i worked with him back in the day well i mean yeah, up your resume somehow, I guess. Like, whatever works. Maybe it's not the best. Like, uh, Mole Rats isn't the best, like, thing to be selling people on. Like, you worked on Mole Rats? Uh, we had, yeah, we're not the biggest fans of that, but it <laughs> works out. Um, yeah, so the only other thing I want to talk about here before we um, move on past this one is kind of like, as I said last week, I find it really interesting to Kevin's mind space when he's making his movies. And I thought Clerks the alternative ending the alternative ending to clerk says something to me about his mind space at the time and i think that kevin's mind space for when he was making this movie out of nearly all of his movies apart from uh i, I would kind of put 
Clerks 2 up here, the same sort of thing, is like him at his most happiest, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can just feel it within the movie. It's kind of just about celebrating stuff and being just happy and joyful more about it. Um, this one has the most, it's not really ever dire. It's just, it's a pretty simple tale about a, a guy and a girl and, well, two guys and two girls, I guess. And it's the most. place? No. Maybe. And then it's like, uh, it's the most slapstick comedy out of all his movies as well, which I always find super interesting. And no matter how many times I've watched this movie, and I have watched it quite a few times, every single time that they're entering the mole and um, Brody's oh. doing that ho- that whole line and the, the turns around and the um, the freaking ladder or the construction equipment, whatever it is, smacks <laughs> him in the face. Yeah, hits him straight to the gown. I'm like, that is such a like straight up slapstick slapstick joke um yeah. even the part where jane silent bob are going for their first takedown of um la Force and uh silent bob's like getting a real swing going of the the coins and the sock or whatever and then the little kid pushes out the freaking roller skate <laughs> thing and then he like has the one foot which is completely unrealistic and like you're not gonna like step onto that one roller skate and be like skating that far down the thing or whatever but it's just like I feel like it just kind of represents something about Kevin's mind space or like how he was feeling at the time because it's just such simple but joyful humor, which is kind of what led it to get uh, bad reviews at the time. But it's also the reason I think it actually holds up really well because that's what I'm saying. All of these slapstick jokes and these really simple jokes, uh, simple to go as far as the fucking chocolate covered pretzel, which is another absolute golden nugget of, cinema history here from this movie and the thing I, that, another thing I'll quite often say to people and even if I don't know what it is I'm like would you like a co- chocolate covered pretzel and like you don't know what they're saying but like that joke all the slapstick jokes it's like the reason this movie holds up so well to me is because of its simple humor like very joyful yeah. humor um do you, do you feel the same buddy yeah absolutely it kind of almost feels like a, a stand-up set of Kevin Smith's delivering it over 90 minutes just through various different characters. Uh, and I agree about the reference as well and kind of, you know, <clears throat> how it might have been panned bef- because of that kind of slapstick nature and now all the references and the quotability of the movie just, like, stand the test of time in the, like, pop culture lexicon or whatever. Yeah. So 100% agree with all, all of what you've just said there. Um, it's just so... It's, oh, the movie's just so quotable. Um, I think my favourite part of the movie and and one i always laugh like you were talking about how they enter the kind of enter the mall and hits the thing and he's like what the hell's going on here yeah. one of my favorite moments is when he gets beaten up by uh ben affleck's character yeah and then later on jay and silent bob see that and they're like who did this the east oh he's the easter bunny he says yeah, that he was the shit out of- and then they beat the shit out of the easter bunny and i just <laughs> love that that line i use it quite often like this is for brody <laughs> and then they start like laying into him like it just feels like that kind of errors comedy. And I always think of someone like maybe like Chris Farley and the type of humor that yeah, he yeah. used to deliver, um, you know, falling down or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's something I've actually been quite critical of, of now, like, uh, you know, that self-deprecating humor a, a bit now, but um, it's so funny that a lot of it's kind of in more rats that I would normally critique of so many other movies. Yeah. Well, so, What's different comparing a movie if you're reviewing it coming out now compared to, you know, like... Yeah, but even watching an old movie, like, you know, you watch Tommy Boy now, I'm like, they're making so many jokes at Chris Farley's expense. About oh, his weight and stuff. About yeah, his weight. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it's fall, the whole, it's like, down. like, what Paul, Paul Blart is. Like, I hate that movie for that yeah. exact reason. Do you, do you think this movie is, like, full of, like, that same of self-deprecation, though? No, really? no, I don't. I, I feel like there are, it, there are moments like that that I, I could have had... I feel like it's in that same genre, but without the self-deprecation, if that makes sense. That's kind of same... That kind of humour was the slapstick fall down um, the Saturday Night Live era when they're all, all yeah. doing movies. Yeah, because so, it's like that uh, with... A, it's, it's a lot smarter than that, though. With a mix of like that sort of that trying to do that raunchy comedy, uh, you know, sort of like your, your porkies, I guess, you know, with the, you know, un, like I guess you'd probably say you know, like unnecessary boobs. I would call. I would say they're unnecessary boob moment though. I, I guess at the time, oh yeah, no. like at the time, it's like you get boobs and you're probably going to get like you hit your R eighteen rating. That the kids tell their their friends they go watch it simply to see the the boobs. I guess, but yeah, these days it's like 
that's obviously not necessary. Everyone has access to the internet, and it it, it just feels like a, a yeah, like that feels it's like a, it's an eighties police academy sort of like level of yeah, just yeah, yeah. like ooh, because now like now like if I go back and watch Morats and like I see Joey Lauren Adams, I'm like oh. This makes me actually feel quite uncomfortable because, like, I've seen what you've done since. I'm like, it's you don't need to do this. You're really good. See, every time I go back and watch this and see her, I'm like, yeah, I did think you were Renee Zellweger for a good moment there. (laughs) (laughs) It's so it's funny though because like, there's like talking about like the messaging with the movie. I feel like for the most part, this it, it kind of starts out with this whole. Uh, the way they're going about telling the story and being like, yeah, fuck those girls. Like, we, us bros, we just need each other. But then by the end of the movie, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't call it fucking Shakespeare, but it does have a level of like, you should do better for the, your girl, like the girlfriends in your life. You know, you should try it. Yeah. There is a little bit of like, it does at least say that the guys like put some fault on the guys. Um, not super heavily, I'd say, but it does at least put some fault on them, which I wouldn't say was a super common thing for this type of, uh, movie at the time. Well, that's the like, thing. Like, yeah, Kevin you know, Smith really should... brought in the bromance. Well, like, yeah. wh- whether it be Clerks with Dante and Randall, whether it's T- you know TJ and and Brody, or you know whether it's literally Banky and Holden and thing, and then like yeah, like you go down, like he has created all uh, big hunk for his movies are based on that bromance, and even acknowledging that is some is something that didn't really happen in those times either. No, and now. Uh... Like there is yeah. that entire movie with like uh, uh, Jason Siegel and this is a couple of years old now and Paul yeah, Rudd. Like, I, I love you, man. I like, love you, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, you know, like you know, we're dudes. Like we've got like you know, bromance friends, like friends that we you know, dudes that we're like big fans of, and like yeah, and that movie does what I'm saying. I would say somewhat better. It's not better than this movie, but it does do the whole thing where it's like the dudes, like they have the, the has problem with his wife or girlfriend whatever it is i don't actually remember but then he like gets with the dudes and he starts his whole bro romance but then by the end of the movie it isn't like yeah she was wrong it's they do the dude the mm. dude does learn like he was the one fucking up and like he, he does overcome a lesson but he learns that lesson through his bromance i guess like mm. which is kind of what this movie is it's like you get the two dudes together they go they go through the whole mold experience together um and then by the end of it they it, it does say somewhat that's what I'm saying. It doesn't do it super well, but it's like they kind of come out the other end by saying they did at least somewhat apologize for yeah, being douches at least a little bit. And by doing so, it also demonstrated like, you know, the... Because although like, you know, in terms of like the characters, like although neither Brody or TJ would... Uh, be, sorry, TJ? No, it's not TJ. I've had a, TS. TS, thank you. TS. Um, yeah, so although neither of them would express that they're emotionally hurt, like, but it's it's this, you know, underlying they're there for each other or whether that just be going to the mall and, and hanging out with each other and just, like, talking shit with each other. It's like, it's one of those things, if you break it down that little bit further, you look at it and you're like, no, these are two dudes, like, two really good friends sort of there for each other. And I don't know, I love, like I said, the more you analyze Kevin Smith stuff, you get that kind of sense. And, um, like, I can't wait to talk about Clerks 2 because Clerks 2 has a, such a, a personal story for me and based around that sort of dynamic. Well, I would say, like, um, Kevin Smith himself, as he got older and he got more emotional and he got better at being, um, like he got better at being with his emotions and like talking about mm. them and whatever, especially when he started podcasting, even to this day, like, I can't even imagine, I like, I, I'm going to say, I'd put bets at Jane Silent Bob reboot at maybe probably tears me up at some point, just knowing like what yeah. Kevin's like these parts, I, I would put that bet out there, but, um, with this movie, he doesn't hit it, hit the strike out there. And that's maybe because at the time he was a very young person. But as we talk about the rest of his movies, you will see as they go through, he gets better at writing these characters and their emotions because I think him as a person gets better at mm-hmm. writing um, characters dealing with their emotions and so on and so forth. Um, and as you say, I, I kind of, I think I know what you're kind of talking about with Clerks 2, but Clerks 2 has a lot more like people just talking about their feelings. Like who'd have thought of it? Like, you know, mm. <laughs> it's crazy concept. Yeah. This, this film's kind of like the start and you can see this growth. That's quite, a, but that's one thing I really love about all these movies is I like all the movies. I think that all of the, the VSQ movies are great, but I just think as a, like watching some, a director grow, I, I honestly can't think of a better series of movies where you can just pinpoint a director's growth as a person, Yeah, not only as a filmmaker, but as a, a, a literal person in life growing and experiencing and changing like there's nothing gee, else gee my take on some of these movies that are coming up are going to be very interesting <laughs> <You reckon? laughs> yeah for sure 
Okay. Specifically well. with Dogma and Clerks 2. <coughs> oh, shit. All right. We're going to have fun. Yeah. We're really going to have fun in Clerks 2. I can already feel it. Subscribe to this podcast now to make sure you don't miss out, buddies. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree what you're saying about um, the effort and how they're putting the fault on, on the gentleman in the relationship. And it's it's weird. They kind of both kind of give up. And that's kind of addressed in TS's situation when he's on the, the, the game show. Like, you just went to your mate's house and you didn't even come after me where, you know, maybe if you'd done that, there was no more Rats movie because they yeah. would have resolved their situation right there. And then it's weird that they kind of give up and just go hang out and then all of a sudden they see them again, I guess, and this kind of reinvigorates their their love or yeah, see, like, their, I, their I, true I, feelings. I agree <laughs> with that because, you know, that is true. They, you know, they didn't do the chase or whatever and it's the, the, the fault is there, but that's them processing. That's them working it out. Yeah. And um, it's just weird because what really changed for them? What did TS do? Like he he admitted his feelings again, but what's to, you know, they get married. What's to say they don't have this makeup breakup stuff happen yeah. again? And apart from, you know, Brody just getting suddenly discovered, was he really going to turn his life around? <laughs> like, you know True. what I mean? Did they ever yeah. actually grow as people or did they just like, no, that's oh, let's what get I, back together. And that's give what I'm saying. Crap. Like, I, I, you, see, you see hints of that, but I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he, it's done very well, but like even just the fact of him being like, hey, do you want to like come around tomorrow night and meet my mother? That's like your growth yes, there. Yeah, it's, that's it's right. Not, it's not very, it's not, if I if I was watching this movie today and that was the, the top level of character growth I got for this entire movie's arc, I would probably be reviewing it quite poorly, but um, that's not the way I'm looking at it, obviously. And I think like knowing that's there, I'm like, well, that, he, he did at least acknowledge have that character acknowledge and say something yeah. which is what that line is for it's like the character has grown at least yeah and like it's one of those like situations of that's a lot for this guy for this one person that is a lot yeah i mean yeah you and watch the whole movie uh for, for that yeah for brody that does probably it's probably a big deal considering they talk about how they've been dating for what six years i don't know like many years and like never sneaking in and out every night mm. i guess so, so yeah it's, it's a big deal to have him meet um, and it's so probably. funny that he he so much loathes Ben Affleck's character, fashionable male. Yeah. But it's Ben Affleck's character that gives him the life lesson. Like he's already introduced me to my mother. I'm like, oh really? <laughs> oh, so this guy's an asshole, but he he's done that already. Oh, okay. Maybe his motives were different, but maybe I can take a lesson from this. <laughs> but it's like she loves him, and she says that much at the end. It's like, oh, can't. What can I say? I love the fucking dog. But it's just like yeah. she needs that little bit more from him. I guess yes. is, the, is the thing. It's like, sh- she doesn't want him to change. She doesn't want him to be fashionable male. She loves him as the comic book loving dork that uh, he is, but she just wants an actual fucking relationship with certain things to change, you know? So it's, it's not one of these movies where it's like the nerdy guy must give up and sell all of his things and stop playing video games. I, I, that's not like the message I, I feel it's going for. It's just like, it's time to fucking grow up at least a little bit, dude, you know, like step mm, up yeah. to the plate here. She's not it's, asking I should, probably shouldn't be confessing this, but I see so much of myself in 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 Brody in that regard, and um, even with my wife Kim now. But she was just so like such an adult and have a career driven <laughs> and everything, and I am not that. So every now and then, I felt like it was me, like just needing a little bit of a push, like come on, just just a little bit. Yeah, I feel like everyone more. needs that though. It's a, it's the same sort of thing. Like, I, and I think we've had like this conversation probably a little bit about like when you want to buy things. And you want someone to talk to you, like, you know, like whenever I was, I've been in a relationship, it's like, I want to buy this thing. Like, but I just want to tell you, like, it's on special. And if I don't get it now, like you just think, as, you know what I mean? Like you, you yeah, talk yeah, I've, these had that, and, I've had that conversation so many times. Yeah, And that I do that. I, I want to do that for all important things. You know, like if I was to do anything in my life, I'd be like, you know, I just want to talk through this. And sometimes I don't trust myself, but it's just like, I feel like old people in general, need a little bit of reinsurance at times and like a little bit of push in the right direction or, or mm. you know, whatever. So I don't feel like it's super bad to not be like super independent that you, you don't need any help at all. Like, I feel like that's a rarity. I feel like most people need a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Of, I think it's just about it, I, like identifying that and accepting like, yes, I do need the help. The best at sharing my feelings, but I know they're in there. I'm like, I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. And I mean, if you want to look at this character, this character does grow throughout the rest of the movies and in the kind of cameo appearances, I guess. Like, you yeah, we, he... we never see like we never see TS again. No, but obviously, no. We see, obviously, we see Brody. I don't know if he's referenced not not from memory. And maybe I'll keep my my ears out, I guess. But I mean, like, you, you could at least note that Brody as a character 
successfully, even if he was to judge solely off mole rats, it's like he goes and hosts a game show where he sets his girlfriend up a, with a nice job as the lead of the, the lead player Late of the, the drums. Band, yeah. It's like if you were to just judge solely off how this movie wraps things up, you're like, well, he, he gets pretty fucking successful and he help, he's, helps out his girlfriend there, like the, meets the mother. Yeah, everything's great. Like, the, in fact, if I if I judge solely off the ending, the fact that every time I see this I'm, and I see that TS um still gets married over the fucking jaws jumping over thing, I'm like, <laughs> nah, dude. Like, <laughs> well, that's the most most romantic thing I've ever heard. Nah, dude. <laughs> Once again, that another jaw, another Jaws reference in a uh, Kevin Smith Kevin movie. movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every one. Oh, what if there's one every movie, and I've just never like picked up on the fact that there's a Jaws reference every movie. I have to keep my uh, ears and eyes open before the next episode. Uh, well, I think that'll. Uh, do it for this week's episode of Radio Movies. Radio Movies. Uh, please be sure to take any trash with you when leaving your area. Dump it in the bins uh, and leave the store accordingly. You can find Buddy Watson over at dashgamer.com on the Dash Culture podcast every fortnight talking about pop culture, movies, and gaming. And be sure to follow him on Twitter at BuddyWatson12. You can find Ryan Betson over at youtube.com slash thepopculturist talking all things PlayStation on For the Players and Wrestling on The Young and The Wrestlers. Follow him on Twitter at HaggardMC. And you can find myself right here on ExplosionNetwork.com and one of our many games, TV, or movies, games, or TV podcasts like Arcade Couch or What Do You Want to Watch? You can follow me on Twitter at VivaLadil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. Please be sure to review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to if it allows you to actually review podcasts or go and tweet Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. Tell them about the podcast so we can get sent an early copy of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Make it happen. Hash- we need a hashtag, really. Hashtag. This is the whole reason you're doing this, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, no, but it could be a secondary, a very high second reason to be doing this. That's for sure. <laughs> that's 86% the reason. <laughs> 86% the reason, yeah, for sure. Uh, until next week, we'll, we will be watching uh, Chasing Amy. Is the next mm, one right? Chasing Amy. Yeah, Chasing Amy. We'll be watching Chasing Amy next week. So do your homework, everyone. Uh, watch that movie and come back next week to hear us discuss that one and our memories, thoughts, and whatever we have to say about that one. Uh, Snoochaboochies. Come, son of Jarrell, kneel before Zod! <laughs> <laughs>